Hi there, and welcome to another episode of When the Leaf Dies. I am David, and I am joined by Sam. Hello. And today we are also joined by Helen. Hello. So, um, today we wanted to talk about, well, the main heading at least, is worship, and how worship is used, and what worship is within, again, our main focus will be church, as in Christian church, because that's our background, but generally speaking, what worship is within religion, and the part it plays in the religious experience, and also the definition of what is worship. For many Christians, worship, when you say worship, people immediately think of singing, uh, communal singing together, whereas biblically, that is worship is a lot more than that. So why is it that we consider singing the almost like pinnacle of worship when there's added depths to it? And then singing itself is how does that work, especially in our current climate of not being able to meet together and having to do services online or in very small groups or socially distanced. And also the fact that singing in itself, um, many places and many organizations and many groups of people will sing together. And it's the class, the idea is, is that still worship? For example, football fans will gather in large numbers in a single place and sing songs together and will devote themselves to players etc. So that's what we wanted to talk about. So we're going to launch straight in as we always do. Um, and so, so yeah, it's the first thing I think it's, it's always good for us to, to root ourselves in our own experience, because that is what we're discussing. We are not experts, we are not great theologians, we are not incredibly intelligent doctorate students, we are we are ourselves. And our experience of all these things when it comes to religion, God, all these things is based on our own understanding. So to open up the floor to Sam and Helen like so worship then in our experience from our how is it what, what does it give us how how do we treat it what, how do we see it and what has our experiences been of in worship in a Christian setting I guess worship is quite a few things in my in my book um it's that kind of 20 minute slot after the notices um just before the preacher gets up um and then it's that kind of follow-up thing that happens after the preacher's done his bit and there's like a kind of an altar call but not really an altar call more just like background music where people kind of being prayed for and um kind of like putting emotions back into tight sealed lockers and then uh, get back on with the tea and coffees after church um but it's also kind of that thing you do in your own quiet time so it would for me very much have been a um could even be a meditation or a reflection or um, a reading or something or a liturgy but um it wasn't you did to refocus yourself on God. Um, and I, I, I always thought worship is and should be the the thing you do with your life, not just necessarily the, the time you spend at church, like with the worship time or uh, whatever. But um, it, it definitely feels like it, it kind of gets um, conflated a little bit where you've got to have your own little worship times for your quiet time, your own little worship time at church, whereas that it should all be kind of worship. But um, yeah, that's kind of it in, in a nutshell, I guess, from my experience anyway. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that. So I guess my definition is like something done in reverence of God. Um, and I think that can be anything, but we do tend to kind of box off into, you know, a bit of singing, a bit of guitar, a bit of prayer, that kind of thing. Whereas actually, like my ideal would be that I was living everything and kind of doing everything I do in reverence of God and it could all be worship but actually a lot of the time you know just more doing it in a coffee crazed like 
effort to try and keep going so I wouldn't say that everything in my life is worship but I think it could be and that's what I would like it to be. So we have this um we have these we have church services which are as Sam alluded to there usually quite structured so I mean the, I mean this obviously varies in certain classes of church like your high Anglican or traditional churches might have a different structure but in your in your sort of non-denominational or um, sort of, I hate to use the word modern churches because I think that does a disservice to more traditional leaning churches. But what I mean by that is you know, your classic, more relaxed church in regards to tradition um, has a very obvious structure. You, you arrive, you say hello to a few people, you have some sort of introduction and usually go into a worship session with, with a, a band or a person or someone at the front who is leading everyone singing songs with the lyrics displayed some form. Uh, be it in a book or on a screen or if you're really fancy you've got a video wall um, with lights and music and all sorts and so that is the thing so obviously we've all experienced that and like what is it that we get like what is the the benefit of that like even if as you both said worship is far more than that what is it why is it that we sing together like what value does singing together bring is it is it simply the fact that we are praising Jesus, or is there then more to it than that? Um, or do you think people actually are praising Jesus, or is it a um, a cultural, psychological thing? Like singing has been proved multiple times, is good for you. It, it, the chemical releases in your brain, etc., it does you great benefit to sing. And singing has been a traditional thing throughout human history in all sorts of environments. So, yeah, what is the, I suppose, what do we think the value of it is? And is it, I don't want to see too like cynical about this, but is there aspects of it which are, um, are more than just is it part of getting a group to work together in a unintentionally sort of manipulative way, or is it actually quite a freeing exercise for groups of people? If you see where I'm coming from, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I would say that I think the purpose of it within like a church service is to try and bring connection to God. So, um, yeah, kind of get people to kind of I guess focus or think about. Um, like yeah how amazing brilliant etc god is um so i guess that's kind of where i see the purpose of it whether that always is like what people are experiencing when they're in it is another question um my sister's like started watching online church during this kind of lockdown stuff she's never really like she's i think she's come along to church with me like once before um but she's never really engaged in it and she's just decided that she wanted to kind of go and have a listen and she's tried a couple and the thing that she said to me, um, so she's been going to not my church, a different one. And she was like, I really like the singing. And I think people do just like it. And there is a sense of kind of community. And I think you could still get something out of it, even if you didn't really believe in it. I think you could still get something out of it. But I think the purpose of it being within a church service is to bring that connection and focus. Um, and that kind of really depends whether as a person that is what you're wanting to experience from it like you could just sing a nice song but if you are focusing or like yeah i guess giving glory to god then to me that's a different experience yeah it, it seems very much that singing in groups really does increase endorphins in your body and helps you to um feel um better I mean, there's you know loads and loads of evidence for this. You can even see it in, as you mentioned before, Dave, like concerts or um, yeah, football stadiums or soccer stadiums, whatever you want to call it in America. Like, there's loads of things that 
like that that you can see which is groups of people coming together singing chanting focusing in on something that really brings like a unification and uh and like a collective atmosphere now that can obviously go sideways at stuff like football games that you then get into like big fights and stuff but um in in general like these really high emotional times um music and that kind of energy and focus really does bring about kind of like it, it you know it literally drives grown men who are literally about to go and like bottle each other after a, a game to cry during the game as they're seeing for their team at a football match which i find like really weird but just the way it is and then when you bring it to church yeah i mean obviously there's a group of people who are singing to um god um i.e the, the christian god god we're talking about um and they're focusing their attention and efforts in on on that which is a very similar thing it's um it's you know it's it's going to create emotion and it's going to create endorphins and it's going to create focus in on this thing um as as helen said you know and she like she believes that 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 it's obviously different when it's focused to god as it is to a football team um i would say i i don't see the difference It'd be interesting to kind of work out if there is a difference and where that difference is um but yeah that, that's that's what it does and if you look back at the early church like they would have had shared stories that they were told that they would have literally told together so it wasn't just one person getting up sharing a story it was a, a group of people telling a story and then you see kind of liturgies forming um around that and then you see um actual liturgies being brought in in creeds and recitals and then you know we see that kind of sadly fading out quite a lot especially in the west um and we kind of get that replaced with more like kind of very liked theology pop style worship um which i think kind of ticks people's don't have to think too deeply about it I can just say some words and and just focus on God, whereas the the whole point of creeds and and uh, liturgy was very much to to convey theological truths um, in a way that would have been understood by anybody. So the whole point was there were heavy theological truths recited often enough to be able to be ingrained into your memory, so that you would be able to recite them to yourself as you go about your day to day. Um, and that was a form of worship in in obviously in church today in quite a lot of churches, especially in the Eastern Orthodox churches, but especially in kind of early church settings. Um, so yeah, that's just a few thoughts. So yeah, what Sam said there, and we, we, we all said it. Helen, what do you think the that boundary line is, or can you can you even define it? Where where is the difference between you know, Christians getting to, together to sing glory to God? Like, where is the difference between that and just singing? And like, or can you tell? Like, you see what I mean? Like, is there any way of actually knowing? Um, and because well, the reason I ask is because obviously, if, if if just getting together to sing does you good as a human, and that is a benefit, that's fine. But then you could presumably just gather in a church and sing literally whatever you wanted, and you'd still get the same benefit. Like, what? Yeah, you know, what turns it into worship? Is it just the lyrics? Is it the state of mind? Like, what, what do you think? How, how does it become, yeah, from just singing as a group to, like, worship or praise or whatever word you want to use? Yeah, so I, I guess I would say that it's about intent. So I don't think you could necessarily see from the outside. Um, but I think it is about, yeah, so, like, I guess heart behind it. And kind of what you were saying before about, um, like, football teams and stuff, I kind of think in a way that is worship, it's not worship of a thing that I think deserves worship, but it it does seem like it. I mean, I don't understand because I care so little about sport that I find the whole thing bizarre. But people care about it so much, um, and there is a kind of reverence involved in it, and there is a lot of emotion involved in it. And I kind of think they are kind of worshiping the game in a way that, yeah, I find 
really odd because like of all the things that you would worship an industry that you know I can't see that much good that comes out of it but that's just me um but I it's just it's just not worship of God um so I guess from my perspective it's their their like heart stuff around it and they're like what what people are kind of thinking about or like feeling while they're singing because it's perfectly legit as well for like perfectly plausible I think for someone to sing a song one week and it be worship and then sing the same song on a different day and it not be worship because at that point they're not in a place where they are doing it because they want to give glory to God and thinking about their like view of God um, and being in reverence of God and instead just like singing some lyrics um, that they're not really thinking about like and I'm sure that that happens plenty um, as well so I don't know it's necessarily visible on the outside and I think it's it's kind of okay if some people in church aren't really connecting with it on that level as long as some people are like you know sometimes you're just not in a place to to do that um but what you were saying about um liturgy sam so the first church that i went to was a uh, kind of quite small anglican church and so they would do the eucharist every week and i didn't really get it for why so I didn't get it. It's just I didn't kind of realise how much I got out of it until I started going to a church where that wasn't a thing. And then I came back and like listened to the to the Eucharist and I was like, this is beautiful in that like it is so biblically based um, and it is like repetitive. And I feel like it's quite inaccessible if you have never been in before. It feels weird, like people are just saying the same things and it's kind of feels it's, appears a little chanty um and i get that that that's the reason why churches kind of almost don't do it is they're like oh i don't think this like you, you have to be really in to be able to understand it or like to not find it weird but actually i think it's beautiful and i really miss it and i wish that like my church did the kind of liturgy with the eucharist and then communion sometimes because i just think it's beautiful i don't necessarily want to do it every sunday but for easter this year um it was locked down so i found the liturgy kind of online i looked up the church of england's one and then just did it by myself and it was really lovely Yeah, there's something, definitely something to be said about um, ritual, isn't there? Ritual is a word that uh, nowadays is considered quite as a negative word. If you're in sort of modernised Western churches, if you use the word ritual, you be seen quite, quite negatively, has negative connotations to it. Despite the fact that like the word ritual has no negative connotations in, in ultimately in its very essence, has negative connotations in the sense of how it's been used. But the idea of ritual is, I've heard someone refer to it as like a fencing off of the external world for you to focus on a single thing. So you go through a ritual to focus on a specific task. So obviously it covers a whole swathe of things, not just religious. So obviously cleaning your teeth in the morning, it's a ritualistic activity. You go to a specific place, you have a specific set of tools, you focus on a specific thing for a set amount of time. Like most people will clean their teeth in their bathroom or 
washroom, whatever you want to call it. Very few people clean their teeth in the kitchen, even though you could, because you've got a sink, it's fine. Um, but yeah, the ritual of doing that every morning is, is part of the thing. People have a, a getting up and going to bed ritual, et cetera, et cetera. So there was something very intentional and significant about a ritualistic view of worship in the sense of liturgy, as you said. So yeah, it's a very strict, maybe strict to the wrong, but very set pattern, isn't there? You do a set task, you say a certain thing, you act in a certain way. And the, as Sam said, it's the idea was that to focus on a certain aspect and to ingrain a certain behavior. Um, and there's, there is certainly some power to that, isn't there? Because you're fencing the world off and you're putting yourself in a position to, in Christian liturgical senses, to focus on God and to put yourself in the right frame of mind, um, which does link to so it's worship sessions in church, doesn't it? It's like there is a set time in the meeting, like as we've just said, you arrive and you will do worship. It's um, very predictable. It's a ritualistic activity, which is understandable and I suppose has value. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, yeah, definitely. And I actually think the thing about having the structure like that means that you just, even if you just show up and you're like not really thinking about it or whatever, going through the motions and it being so, as Sam was saying, like, like theology based and like biblically based, um, it kind of refocuses you, even if that's not like where you were at the beginning by the time you've kind of listened to everyone. I think there's amazing power in it. Um, but there is also in the kind of the, the structure of the church as is like normally, you know, that slot after the notices where the couple of songs happen. <laughs> I think that it, it's a different kind of ritual that's less structured, but I think it's trying to get at the same kind of time where you're like prepared for hearing the word of god and it gets you into that place even if you're just initially going through the motions and it should kind of set you up to then be in a place where you can hear and focus and stuff so i think that's the kind of broad idea whether that works all the time another question whether the liturgy is better another question but yeah i guess that's kind of how i see the structure side of things in church so um Sam, now you've you're in a, obviously in a situation where you no longer attend church, no longer Christian, happy to be that way. Looking at it now, obviously you've been in church for your entire life, so you were brought up a Christian, attended church. I presume you pretty much attended church almost every Sunday of your life, give or take, um, <laughs> for a long period of your life anyway. So your your sort of your opinion of worship, your memories of it as part of your upbringing and part of your everyday, you went to Bible. Uh, Bible school so presumably like set worship patterns were ingrained in the day-to-day um, I'm making assumptions but anyway so so what is your take on it now from a sort of more of an outside perspective so like because Christian upbringing worship seems very normal it's very singing in a group seems very normal it wouldn't be in different social settings um, as Helen said to about her sister like she just quite likes the singing it's, it's nice to hear it it's nice being like I, I know that I, I'm in situations where I, I find choral singing really powerful. Like there's something very emotionally powerful about it. If I hear choral singing, I, it, it, it raises my insides, my heart in a way that many things won't. Like really powerful voices. Or if you get someone who is um, quite timid looking on the outside, has this powerful voice, there's something really profound about that. Anyway, tangent. So yeah, you're, you're, your sort of more outside perspective now, Sam, looking now sort of having stepped out, looking back in, what's your, you know, your view on the, the situation? 
Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think I don't understand worship as we have it in the church today. Um, I don't see why we have to have um, a group of songs that kind of gets rid of the emotional kind of, I don't know, bandwidth so that we can be prepared to go and hear about God's like, as, as a Christian, to enter into God's presence is something you can freely do at, at any moment of your life. You're literally a, a tabernacle on earth of God's presence, um, almost like you're living in the shadowlands and you are the light that's been reflected out like you that is literally what you are and um i i just find the whole kind of idea that um you you need to have a 20 30 minute slot to kind of um brush the cobwebs off each each sunday morning to kind of feel that you can remind yourself of what you're meant to be doing and why you're there um to be really strange because that should be who you are all the time and if you can't do that all the time and then it kind of raises questions like is is it actually possible to be truly who you are um is 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 it in itself like that whole being a tabernacle um within the world of god's presence into the nations and something that is actually possible if you know you're having to kind of consistently um almost like work yourself up to hearing about god's word and it's just that's that's what i find like kind of strange about it um i can kind of from another angle completely understand it like it's a great way to to literally do what i said to kind of shake off the weeks whatever and refocus your mind and, and get yourself back into it but um part of me feels that christianity is is completely about you being that sort of like you being um yeah jesus hands and feet in in in, in the world and we can utilize singing to kind of express emotions and to uh, bring unity into vision and we can um, sing things that we think are true um, about something um, but that doesn't mean that it it is actually doing those things it like to something that's real it just means that everyone thinks it's real and everyone's singing to it being real but it doesn't make it actually real um, and I just find it kind of really strange like I've always found it weird standing there in, in, a, in a worship service even when I was Christian and preaching and stuff like and watching people breaking down crying and saying that God's touching them and talking to them and they can really feel him moving at this time. And I was just like, everything you're expressing, as far as I can tell, and as far as anyone can tell, is just emotions. Um, And if that's the only realm that God's speaking on, then I'm kind of confused as to what God is, um, because I don't think the Bible says God is just the God of the emotions. He's obviously God of emotions, but also other things. And um, I think kind of looking back on it now, like as, as, as as well as me thinking that it's weird to have to kind of have this set time to get you in the frame of mind um i think it's weird that it is just an and an, a musical outpouring of um all your pain and sorrow and regret as if you can't actually spend time in your life doing that regularly anyway like you don't have any outlets to be able to work those things through with god whether he is real or isn't real isn't really the problem it's more why you aren't able to have these regular intervals or you are engaging with the living creator who knows you intimately and called you by name and all that good stuff um i find those two elements of it kind of really strange uh, as i mentioned like i completely understand why it's, it's a really good uh, tool to be able to bring an entire group of people to focus on a single thing and to get them all on side essentially so i mean just sort of my, some of my experience kind of linked with that is um i remember when i used to go to a vineyard church um where 
so Vineyard Movement based in America, John Wimber, but there's churches in England as well. And one of the, like they have worship albums and they have their own setup. And so the band who does the worship albums came to our small church, small Vineyard church, and they did a worship evening. And what you're saying here, Sam, is I remember people being like, they experienced a profound they said, oh, that the spirit is moving in this. Like, we after after the event. People were like, oh, wasn't the Holy Spirit really present in that meeting? And, and me and my wife stood there and we were both like, no, it was just very loud. Like, it was just bigger. You were hyped up. So I, I, I get where you're coming from there. And certainly in any situation, um, there could be aspects of uh, that corporate setting can hype up and create emotions where they aren't there. Well, sorry, they are there, but they aren't anything to do with God. They're just emotions because you're a group of people. And it's amazing how powerful groups of people are geeing one each other, one another up. Uh, so which, which I suppose it, it leads into the question of, um, yeah, how real is it? And I know Helen's already touched on that. It's like lots of it is your approach to it. Um, but, and this is a bigger question, like how much of, the experience people have of the Holy Spirit in church circles is actually the Holy Spirit or is it just their own wants, desires and uh, intentions? Like if you, you go to somewhere expecting something to happen and it's uh, it has hype, which is people around you, an emotional charged environment, you might experience something which you would attribute to the Holy Spirit, but it's actually just your own emotions. And so I wonder, I suppose that's, that's an interesting question there. Like if, if, worship, if worship, as we've already said, worship isn't just singing, but if worship is often used as just singing in the sense of this is a worship session this is the thing you will experience god um how how are we with that like what's our views on that idea that this could be i think i said it right at the beginning of the introduction is that i'm not saying it's intentionally done but what where's the idea that this stuff could be unintentional emotional i don't i'm not sure if manipulation is too strong a word I, I don't want to make it sound, I'm not trying to be too cynical here, but how much of people's experience of worship and feeling God in a worship session, whatever that entails, whether it's on a Sunday morning or a specific like night, churches have like special worship nights or encounter nights, things, don't they, where people have come with a specific purpose to feel the Holy Spirit or have guidance. Um, and I suppose how much do we think that, and is it okay for uh, churches to advocate people are feeling the Holy Spirit or sensing the Holy Spirit when it could just be hype and do you think like how much responsibility do you think organizations have to maybe try and prevent that or do you think they should it's a very yeah it sounds a bit cynical question I'm not really meaning it to to be I think like there is always an element that you know hype and people wanting to I don't know, fit in Emperor's New Clothing kind of thing. You know, sometimes people will agree that they experienced something because they don't want to be the person that didn't. Absolutely. Um, But I also think that, like, if God is real, which I obviously believe he does, and a group of people all turn up wanting to experience God and set aside time in their life and sing praise to him and are like intentionally wanting to focus on God and wanting to focus on him, why wouldn't he show up? And like, I, I can see like, if you're saying that it's not real, you can explain um, like, you know, how people feel like emotions and stuff, but also why, why, why wouldn't he, if he does exist, show up on those occasions when people have set aside specific time to 
get close to him. I'm not saying that's the only time that God can show up and that's the only time that people should be worshipping or experience God, absolutely not. But when there is like real intention about it, which I think is quite easy to lose in the midst of the rest of the week and all the other, like the rest of people's lives. But people do specifically come to church on a Sunday. I mean, I guess sometimes people do it for social reasons or whatever, but like a lot of the time it's because they're like, I'm making this declaration that I am a person who believes in God. I'm a Christian. I'm coming on my Sunday. I did have better things to do or, you know, I could have just stayed at home, but I've decided that I'm going to come here and I'm going to worship God like that is an incredible declaration of faith. And I do believe in a God that then honors that by showing up. So yes, hype is a thing and I'm sure that it does happen. But I also believe that, yeah, I believe in God. So I don't disagree. And I'm just kind of trying to work out like, so I mean, obviously if a group of people turned up to kind of um, chance at a football game um, to kind of, kind of have that unity in something, um, that same atmosphere can still show up. It doesn't mean that anything's kind of spiritually changed and you, know, you could view it as, you know, say um, I'm, I'm into metal music. There's a, usually a festival when it's not in lockdown called Download that I used to go to a lot as a, as a younger lad. Um, you know, we used to go there. We used to take booze and drugs and go there, all of us dedicated to kind of listening to music, chatting life and having a really good time. And, you know, the same kind of energy showed up there. I guess what, like, how do you know it's God and how do you, how do you know it's it's just not god like how what 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 are the differences there well i don't think you can no no i think that's guess where we go back to this question of like faith generally is that like you can always find an explanation for something um or you can believe i happen to be a person who believes i know from uh there's been some times when I've been in a setting where the worship has been truly profound in a way that it often wasn't. So um, I, I completely agree with you coming from Sam because I've been to plenty of situations where the atmosphere has been in like almost like palatable, like you can almost like feel the atmosphere in the air. And that wasn't anything with God, that was just crowd and hype and just atmosphere and it's you, you all know the story you, you go to certain situations and yeah you can it's almost like electricity in the air but there's been other times where when i've been in times where people are praising praising god where it's felt as powerful with less people and less hype so an example would be um there was a church i went to which just met in someone's basement um it was like an old victorian house so it had a decent sized basement enough to fit I mean, if you crammed people in, you could probably fit like 60, 70 people in there. But there was about 20, 30 people. Um, and it it was just sort of sofas and there was just um, one person. Did he have a guitar or a piano? I can't remember. It was either a keyboard or a guitar. They were, they were sort of leading. Um, it was very, very ha- like slapdash and not particularly professional or thought out. But there was something really profound about that. I remember being sort of emotionally quite overwhelmed by it um and i would i would have said at the time and i i, I now in a situation no i don't really know what i think about a lot of things but the the atmosphere was like like heavy with the holy spirit like it was profound i don't i'm not an emotionally cry person as i think both of you here will attest to but um 
I, I was sort of weeping, emotionally overwhelmed. The thing was really powerful, but again, it didn't have like a large crowd to bring hype. It like it wasn't a hyped up. There wasn't loads of stuff at the front and lights and everything. It was literally just I think there was maybe yeah, twenty odd people there, um, just singing, um, and that was really significant. And I, I look at that sort of thing and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting because I've been I've been to plenty of big Christian gatherings and I, I used to go to a big church and help in the production there. Um, so yeah, sort of 1,500 people on a Sunday morning. I helped with the lights. So I, I've been behind the curtain that was on the production, and like, I don't think people mean to do it, but in those sort of churches, it is hyped. Everything about it is hyped. Um, it's intentionally hyped. The way the structure is, it's all done in a specific way to get a rise out of people. Like they won't say that way, but if you actually take a step back, it is. It's just just admit it. It's fine. Um, but so I can understand what people would feel the holy spirit or what you're saying there sam like this festival was like big group big groups of people getting together creates this atmosphere i mean like you only have to look at um world leaders who use rallies to get um effects i, I imagine i imagine people walking away from the nuremberg rally in germany in the 30s would have spoken about like the profound nature of that experience because there was all those tens and tens and tens of thousands of people there um but what I find really interesting is that that experience with 20 old people was like deeply significant. And there was a, there's an element of like, <laughs> I sound like some sort of a mystic. There was an element of the divine there, which I haven't experienced in church particularly. Um, it was obviously technically church, but I haven't really experienced in bigger settings. Um, and I have also, when me and my wife used to run a small Sunday Sunday night gathering, when we'd taken a step back from the big church, and we used to, there was about eight of us who used to gather in my lounge just to, to read the Bible and, and pray. And occasionally I, I would get out my guitar, which I'm not particularly good at playing, and I'm rubbish at singing, but we would, um, we would just sort of badly strum through a couple of songs. And again, that moment was really profound. And again, me leading on guitar singing is, is not going to hype anyone up um it's probably gonna do the opposite so but the experience of that was significant and i've always wondered yeah how i, I can completely get your viewpoint sam of the big groups create atmosphere yes I, I agree and in fact i've seen it and experienced it and been involved in it but i wonder what your thoughts on on the when you get that small sort of intimate gathering with with nothing no frills it's just a few people together like what's what's your take on that as a again looking from the outside thinking back so which from the outside with you what's this about um because i i'm obviously using christian lingo and you've expressed doubts and so that i want to shun you it's all about the good shun right I'm, I'm a Got christian it. so shunning is uh embedded in my yeah my nature. yeah that's fair enough um like i i've had these profound moments you speak of where i thought that something very different was going on and it was something very unique and you know, I, I, you know, believe that I've spoken in tongues and um, really felt this kind of move over me of like feeling like the Holy Spirit was filling me up and you know all, all these all these things. But the the truth is, um, how do I know that it is God? Like I don't I don't have an issue saying that God is real um, and that God moves. But my point is, how do you know it's God apart from just having faith that it's God? There's there, there needs to be a way that you identify something is or is not God. Otherwise, how do you know that the thing you are engaging in is actually God? You could say, oh, because our heart's based towards God. Um, that means it must be the God that is professed in the Bible. 
how do you know that it isn't just a god that is happy to be called anything but as long as you're worshiping it it's going to give you a nice fuzzy feeling and you're going to feel profound like you you don't know that it's not that um and that's again that is absolutely fine if you believe it is the god that you worship and and great the truth is that there are loads and loads of people in loads of other religions who have had these profound movements experiences divine revelations or even things that have happened within history which seems so significant and so unlikely that it must it must therefore be god um but you you again you can't have all all the gods you can only have a a god if you're believing in a monotheistic religion so how do you then justify that it's your god that is giving you or has given the correct divine feelings that you believe are are really divine and special and this this is where it comes back to like just because you experience something doesn't mean that god the god you worship exists i've no issue saying that god exists that's fine if you believe a god exists not an issue it's the it's the individual individual's belief in a specific god that they believe they know so well they know exactly what it does and doesn't want down to you know what you're going to do with your genitals um that i find really bizarre that you're going to worship you're, you're essentially worshiping um almost like a list or like a i don't know like almost some sort of like image that you've created over time based on what you've heard in preachers what you've read in the bible and the culture that you were born and raised in you've created a depiction of god which will be absolutely nothing like second century christianity uh, their idea of wrath was something we cannot even comprehend because of how we've been brought up yet we still believe that we're engaging with god and that he loves us and that this feeling of kind of extreme um real divine presence is is a thing and sure it, like the feelings might be real they might mean something but like how do you know that you're actually worshiping the correct thing um and then how do you know that the other people who have the very similar experiences from other religions or no religions, they could be on a, a spiritual high from meditation or a spiritual high from drugs um, or whatever. How do you know that those aren't also correct? And if they're not also correct, then how do you know yours is correct? Like there's just, there's just no way of, of clearly identifying that this is G- Jesus Christ in and through the Holy Spirit in the Godhead. I, you just can't prove that you can have faith you can have, absolutely you, you can have your faith that is unprovable that that was a that that was a god that you experienced whilst you were worshiping and that is the exact god that you've engaged with um but i guarantee that within you know those 20 people um i know one person for instance who's with you that night dave like that person has a very different idea of what god is compared to what you would have done when you were firmly within christianity um so you were both worshiping something that isn't the same thing now like does god mind that like for that division no okay fair enough like where are the lines like what will god allow and not allow if he is real for you to be worshiping and also feel that because i'm sure someone could have felt that same thing um worshiping another god in that area um like i've i've sat in 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 meetings and even with just a couple of friends and had extremely deep profound conversations about um you know the intrinsic nature of reality and who god is and how we're going to be called um to kind of um look after this planet once he rebuilds it like and had a real sense of complete and utter amazement at how um, beautiful and amazing christ is and how we're so fortunate to be able to understand his teachings and how we're you know called to literally lay our lives down and, and give it all up for him to go out into the nations and tell everybody but how do i prove that's real other than I just want it to be real and I want my experience to be justified because I felt something.
so out of interesting i've got the mic um like dave what what were these kind of like feelings that kind of so swung you from the other events was it just the size of the room or was it kind of the people or like something in your head that just made you think it was more real and you know gods like what 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 can you kind of pull out some of the characteristics that made it that actually made it different other than just you know the sizes like what what are the actual things that you experienced heard felt that are different um no you're getting me to actually evaluate it critically um i imagine part of it is the fact it fit with what i want church to be um i don't really agree with big church just for various reasons um so maybe part of it was the fact that it wasn't a big church it was just a little thing in a basement so therefore it, it fit what i wanted it to be what you just said there it, it ticked a box um and the fact it wasn't particularly professional ticked another box um and in fact maybe i was i was looking for something more ticked another box so i can completely see how you could easily explain this away I mean, in fact i have done already in lots of ways um i just I was all these things i hope it is true but i'm not sure if it was um so i don't know is the quick answer that, that sam um i think i think for me whenever for me whenever i've had emotional experiences like that because it's not my norm i always find that quite interesting there we go I had to get interesting in the podcast somewhere um but i i yeah find that quite eye-opening and so obviously now i can't prove it's god and i don't know if it was um but it was an experience which is probably unlike most times i've had in my life because yeah i'm not a particularly emotionally driven person not emotionally dead i just don't give them a lot of time i've got other things to think about i'm quite sort of more thought driven than emotional so i can't give you a decent answer um other than maybe it just ticked all the boxes maybe i was looking for something and i was looking for hope in this situation and therefore i engaged with it in a way that i wouldn't and didn't do because of my cynical nature in larger settings um so maybe it and, wasn't that sorry yeah sorry don't mean, don't mean to cut you up i apologize well, you, mate you of course you do because you did well no i, I, I <laughs> thought you were pausing and i was going to interject and then we're going to have carry the conversation on i mean i what i was going to ask essentially was just um what would it take for you to now have an experience for you to be confident that it is the Judeo-Christian God that you once believed in? Oh, it's a good question. I don't know if I've got an answer for it. Um, I think, I think for me to move something because I, I now look at it a bit more. I'm, I'm not. I don't completely sit in your camp. Oh, it's almost like I'm on a fence. I'm going to sit on this fence. Um, I, I can see how easy it is to want something to be true and therefore believe it is. Um, so it would need to be a situation where there is more than just a you feel slightly different. I've. I was literally almost thinking this. This is a. That's answering a question with a question. So I'm, I'm being a follower of Jesus. Um, the I wonder how often people get huge intellectual or similar insight during worship as opposed to just emotional insight. Um, and I wonder how, if that happens because you would hope if if worship is if okay we keep using the word worship but we've always spoken about that singing together isn't the whole encompassing worship worship but if gathering together and singing praises to jesus was connecting with god you would i suppose you would hope that you would receive more than just an emotional response internally and externally you would also 
receive some form of intellectual response or other options in the human spectrum. Because um, I think we've commented before on this, Sam, how uh, lots of this stuff seems emotionally driven, very little room for intellectual driven, even though we're three people who are all well-educated talking about it. Um, <laughs> but um, I wonder if something of that nature would more push me towards understanding that this is maybe as God and not just me subconsciously getting carried away with myself. Does that make sense? Is that an actual answer or is it more of a question and a lack of answer? I think it's, I think it's a step forwards. I don't think, I don't think, it's, <laughs> I don't think it's possible to have an answer. Like I think this is, this is, this is a big issue. I think that we have today in our society with a lot of things is it's very easy to deconstruct, but it's very hard to reconstruct with a coherent way, uh, sorry, within a coherent framework. And I think, you know, this is, this is a big thing why I kind of don't like the term atheist and why I, I buffer it with agnostic atheist because, um, I think this kind of boils down to ag agnosticism more often than not, like kind of going at the very, very bottom of, of all of this, like bubbling away. Is this kind of like, we just don't know. Um, we, we just don't know what would be enough. Uh, but when we know, maybe we just know, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I was going to throw it to kind of throw it to Helen and just ask her like kind of this, a very similar question to, to, to Dave Helen. Like if, um, if you were going to ask for some sort of kind of like clear, um, revelation that it was you know like jesus christ that you're literally experiencing within a kind of worship setting um what what do you require to be um what would you require in regards to evidence for it to be enough so would you require kind of i'm not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth like, like just just tell me i'll stop asking weird questions basically what what are the evidences that you would require to kind of believe that it is god yeah so i'm trying to think of it answer but I guess I'm just coming from a really different standpoint in that like I'm not necessarily looking for evidence of God's existence like I believe that I have sufficient proof for me to for like and I'm not talking about proof proof here I'm talking about like for me to believe and structure my life around it um so I'm not I don't, I don't know I'm not really like I don't, when I kind of am seeking something from worship, it's usually like clarity or an answer to prayer about a certain situation rather than like, like reveal that you exist to me because I'm working from a place where I'm saying that I do believe, therefore I'm asking about this thing or this thing. So yeah, I don't know. That's fair enough. I mean, I think just to kind of push a little bit more then I'm happy to step back. Um, so how do you know that when you're asking for an answer about X, that it isn't just you giving yourself the answer from your subconscious um, and that it's God. Like, how do you know the difference between those two? Then if you don't, if, if you're going from a place of like, God will talk to me if I ask him for this, how do you know it's God and mm -hmm. not you? Well, so normally if it's, because this is usually like a specific thing that like, I'd really like to have discernment wisdom on this thing. I would like, ask other people to pray into it too um and I guess then like really sit with it and then if I felt like I did receive an answer I would then like check whether that also fits with like biblical truth so if I'd been praying for like oh should I punch this person in the face and I got a very strong answer of yes I would be like does that sound biblically accurate as per what, what the Bible would say. Like, well, probably not. So maybe that is just me wanting to punch that person in the face. Um, to kind of go through like a series of checking thing. Because I don't think it's easy to know like 
even if you're coming from a place of saying, I believe that in God, like what is from God, there's moments in my life where I feel like I've heard really clearly, but there's others where I haven't and have sought other people's input who I believe also like have a relationship and faith in, um, with, in faith in God and wisdom. And then also sense checked it about whether it, you know, seems like it's a biblically wise and also like just wise in my own context. Yeah, I totally lied. I'm going to jump back in. Um, sorry. That's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything. I think for me, and this is just a reflection rather than a question for me, it was very similar. Um, but then I kind of realized that um, being literally right raised in a Christian culture means that a lot of the things the Bible says are culturally acceptable. Um, that, yeah, sure, there are, there are various levels. But for instance, um, I've never kind of prayed about something and really felt prompted to slaughter a pig or something. <laughs> Probably not a pig because mm -hmm. Jews don't do pigs, but you know what I mean, um, a calf or um, something and then kind of sat with it for a bit and gone. Um, it doesn't feel right, so I won't do that. Or do, do you know what I mean? It's that like I, there's never been something that's been outside of my framework that I've been tempted with or questioned that's ever made me go, "This is wrong." Um, I mean, stuff. You know, you could you could easily say that God isn't isn't telling you to go and um, smash someone in the face with a brick um, because I don't think any God has told people to do that in any <laughs> kind of written yeah. language. Sure, he said, you know, go and kill the infidel and certain religions but that's very different to you know deliberately maiming someone with a brick but um it, it's just it's just an interesting one like how how do you hear from god and if it doesn't fit within your kind of current cultural context how does that sit uh, yeah and this is i hear people ask this all the time and i think I, I would rightfully ask it as well I, I it, it does feel as though um the things we hear from god very much fit in with our yeah our culture now um yeah if you were to people if you said that people would think you were very odd um so I have found that quite, what's the word? I was going to use the word interesting there, fascinating. There we go. Um, but yeah, our, our hearing from God does seem very culturally relative. Um, but this is, yeah, very verging on the territory we've already spoken about in prayer. Um, I think what, just moving on slightly to the idea of, because we've already spoken about the idea that um, uh, worship is so much more than just singing, even though we spent a lot of time on the singing aspect, because that is the, our, our focus. Um, and I think, Obviously, we all agree that worship biblically or in Christian circles should be more than that. It should be our life. It should be our life dedicated to God. And the things we do is the, our worship to God, be that um, serving the poor or laying down our lives for others, um, et cetera, et cetera. They should be in, in glory to God, giving over to God. And all your whole life and aspect should be worship rather than just some songs you sing on a Sunday, which is just simply praising God for his goodness, essentially, among other things. And so... On that note that worship should be more than that, uh, something I've always found very funny, this is, a, this is a classic, I found this really odd, therefore I'll make us talk about it, um, is the fact that we have like worship leaders are seen as like these quite significant people in Christian circles, um, like especially in America, and you have people who are paid positions to be a worship leader, and um, it becomes a very interesting environment. Um, Sam, before we started on our uh, WhatsApp group, you posted a, a GIF of um, the lady from Bethel, whatever her name is, got some very name I can never pronounce. Stephanie, Stephanie G. I don't yeah. know how you pronounce her name. Um, giving it large on the Bethel stage. And they like worship leaders do tours, obviously, Hillsong sell out tens of thousands of seater arenas to go and like 
ultimately watch them sing like you could pretend like people are singing along but ultimately this is this it's a touring band same with bethel same with the uh, planet shakers um and so how, how do we feel about the idea that like worship in the praise sense is like commercialized and made into commodity to sell um and how does that sit with like again what jesus spoke about and the, the sort of the general message of christianity being quite a, a low-key ground level faith right how do we how do we see that again we've got different perspectives here we've got classic christian on the fence atheist um like how do we how do we view that as a thing and does it fit and... stop calling me an atheist damn it okay sorry you agnostic atheist not sure i don't want to be defined by labels uh, man uh... <laughs> better thank you <laughs> So, yeah, we go. Open floor again. Well, I mean, I find the whole concept of, of like Christian celebrity generally a bit dubious. I guess if I was being charitable, I'd say like, well, so firstly, I do think people should be compensated for their time. Like, I, th- I think that people should be able to, like, if their whole job is to, you know, create worship music, I think that they should be able to make a living off that i don't necessarily think that you should you know be starving for it or like living off donations i don't think that it's right for people to make become rich off this kind of thing so i I guess it's like all in degrees like if if you if you're like like real talent and like passion in life is literally just to write worship songs that's amazing and if those songs can bring people, other people closer to God, then that's brilliant too. Um, but that's very different to like sell out tours and stuff like that. Um, so I guess it kind of, I think it, from my perspective, sort of depends on the the person and the situation. Like um, in my light group, like my small group, um, a little while ago, and um, my like fellow was like, let's kind of, follow the series that this guy's done and I did some kind of research like looking into him and actually I was quite impressed so the stuff that I ended up finding on the internet like he did have like a degree of Christian fame but he'd also given away like almost all of his money I think um and had decided to move to some random part of like Hong Kong or something um from California I was like I do genuinely reading this believe that you are dedicated to doing what you feel you've been led to rather than for a claim um but i i guess i i want people to use discernment whether working out whether people actually are doing it because they believe that that is their calling as it were or like the best way that they can honor jesus um but it's very different if they're just trying to make money and i don't think people should be made rich over stuff like this so like Dave consistently sends me um, preachers with sneakers. Is it preachers in sneakers? So uh, like preachers and sneakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, in the middle. And yeah, they're with their um, Instagram account, which is like people like Stephen Furtick, who've got like you know seven hundred and fifty dollars sneakers on whilst they're preaching about you know um, walking on water or something. I don't know, random. Um, I often find this really really strange. Like there is like a like a fashion statement that kind of preachers certain kind of charismatic preachers have especially within america it seems um i know like there are some other mega churches that have similar sort of um styles in australia and new zealand and and, and even england and and the likes um i just find it really bizarre yeah. 
Uh, it is bizarre. I remember when I was what, like sixteen, seventeen. I was going to went to one of those big Christian festival things. And I was walking around and I was seeing all these middle class kids in super dry T-shirts. And I was like, this cannot be what was intended. And I don't think it is. Like, I, I do think we are, like, massively letting the side down generally. But also, if you're in a position of power in the church, then you absolutely shouldn't be. Like, you have to have integrity. And that's what it comes down to for me. And I think with all things, there are going to be people without integrity who realise that they can make money. And people who didn't necessarily start out without integrity but you know money and fame and celebrity are quite seductive and it's quite easy to go into something with good intentions and then be dragged down a bad path so I think we should be very careful and I think churches aren't necessarily because they think well what if I get these people then into the church and then all these people turn up they think they have more power than they have so I guess I'm all for it as long as the reason that they are getting acclaim is because they're bringing people closer to Jesus. But the second it becomes about the people, then it's not worship, it's celebrity, and that's a problem. So I had a strange experience this week of, um, due to the coronavirus church from home situation, I got an email inviting me to book on to a um, church and I had to decide like four or five days in advance whether I wanted to go into church to um, do the ceremony. They're doing like a, a strange thing. Well, it's not that strange. I mean, it's strange in the context of how it would have felt if they decided to do this last year, but it's not strange anymore. Um, where they're going to keep doing online church, but they also have a small service available um, in person where you can go. Um, but there's quite a lot of rules around what you can and can't do. So um, you are allowed to have one, one person singing, um, but no one else can sing. Um, and you are allowed tea and coffee if it's delivered to your table I think but you have to sit on separate tables for your household you're not really allowed to talk afterwards and everything has to be under the guise of worship otherwise it's a breach of coronavirus restrictions and um, so I guess I had to decide whether I wanted to do that or stay watching online church and it was quite a strange decision um, to try and make because I was like well on the one hand um, I live alone so doing church online has been quite a strange experience because it means that it is like entirely by myself. And I do think that like that has made it more difficult to kind of actually feel like I'm connecting with the service anyway, because it's really easy just to look at your phone or not watch it. Um, and instead had this other option of going in and they kind of did a video where they were showing people who'd come out of their like mini church service coronavirus thing where people were humming um during worship and they were having to be a bit more like creative about what they count worship i know one friend had a church who who did like sign language worship and she said that was like amazing and beautiful and um, but it is interesting that we've kind of had to adapt and try and come up of a new way of approaching this how would have that experience been for you guys if you were going to, like, would you have rather have gone in or would you have stayed at home? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I think it's really, really good that people are being challenged to think outside the box. I think a lot of people are missing 
church because they miss the singing elements together. I, I kind of feel like church is like meant to be about the community element. Like it's meant to be about the outreach and the helping and the, the stuff we spoke about last time, right? About kind of how churches are able to support local communities with like job centers or, or whatever, uh, drop-in centers for, for mums who need somewhere to kind of talk about the issues they're going through. Like, you know, my wife uses the local Methodist church when, when there wasn't COVID-19. Um, she drop our eldest off at school and take the youngest to the local Methodist church and just have like a day there just talking to other mums. And it's just like a really safe community and space. And I think that that's definitely something that's, that's missing from church. And that is a, a massive expression of worship. So um, it doesn't answer your question, I'm afraid, but because um, I don't know what I'd do now, but um, I definitely think it's good that churches and communities of believers are being challenged to think about things that they can do that are different, even if it's just being together humming. Um, you know, that is is a challenge, but I also think that in the face of a challenge, you can really learn more about your relationship with your God um, and what works and doesn't work for you. So I guess it's quite, guess it's quite personal right like how you interact with your god is quite a personal thing um it doesn't really do anything in like a a community setting it's very much about the individual within that setting um so yeah it's really interesting i don't have an answer sorry i i, I find it quite interesting that it's potentially uh democratize the uh worship more um we just spoke about about worship leaders and it's quite a sort of top-down approach to sunday services and i, I know that still happens because you're still still directive but what you said there Helen there's, there's definitely because you're detached there's definitely a element of sort of breaking those rules um because you can kind of just come and go as you please like if you're sitting in a room with people there are all those social pressures to conform whereas over a screen it's a very different environment so um the engagement or the um creativity leads to a democratization of the structure which i think is i think i think this whole situation this covid situation over um video based church i think it will be interesting to see what happens to not just worship but the church after this or throughout this and what has happened like i'd, I'd really interested to know like the stats behind church following this situation um are more people attending in quote churches are more people giving to more people involved in certain aspects of it as what sam was alluding to there what do people truly miss about church i think all these questions will really challenge people's faith i think in a good way like this is the whole point of this podcast is like what do you truly believe and what is it that we think and i think this situation i'm not really answering a question either but in a roundabout way is con contributing to it is the idea of yeah it will um definitely shift and make people think about what the why they're attending and what they're trying to achieve and what they're doing um you can no longer kind of just sit at the back and blending or sit in the middle of the crowd and just be you really have to in be intentional which i think is um is good so my, my take on it is different worship stuff i mean i probably would have like i don't know the, the sound language thing sounds actually really cool i i, I find some sign language actually beautiful um because of I mean, i'm a big fan of dance so it's almost like dancing um the expression of communication through movement i i really love so i probably would have been well down for that <laughs> um but all in all i, I think it's yeah the, the creativity aspect of this um and the well, it's the whole thing that necessity breeds innovation, doesn't it? So I think this is, this will, I'm, I'm, yeah, really looking forward to see what happens in the next few years. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Um, but I don't, I guess it's kind of led to me having to ask that question of myself. Like I was trying to talk through my 
reasoning with a one of my like best friends who isn't a Christian, and she was like, "Why would you go um, to this service in person when you could just do it online?" I was like, "I don't, I don't really know how to explain what the allure is, other than like it is quite lonely sitting in your on your sofa on your own watching church, like." occasionally writing a comment on the chat bar it's just a very different experience to like what church has been for what i don't know at least 10 years of my life where it's been a community thing and worship has been a community thing and there's been awkward tea and coffee afterwards and it is just very different um yeah so i haven't actually decided um, the other thing is that obviously I'd have to leave the house and leave the house early in the morning, which um, isn't something I've been forced to do on a Sunday for a long time. So that is another deciding factor. Dave, kind of dragging you back into this, um, seeing as you're stuck on the fence, um, what would be, I guess, what would you like to see to bring you back to either side? So if it was a kind of a Christian setting um, that you fell back into from from the high up fence you're on, um, what what would you need to see to bring that in? Or if it was a kind of actually completely leaving it behind, um, what would you need to be convinced of? Um, I guess of the current setups who go, no, this isn't real. Um, I mean, for me, I, I find the the whole structure of um, worship in church is actually one of the things that pushes me the other way away from church um, because of the all the things we've discussed. Like um, we can look at big American celebrity pastors slash worship leaders and be sort of frown at that but as with most things there is a very long spectrum and it's very gray because even in your small local church your people will long to be on stage and long to be met friends with the band etc etc it happens even with churches of 100 or smaller um, and so for me the thing that turns makes worship true um, is when it isn't just something that happens on a Sunday, but a true lifestyle that changes you. Like I have never understood myself included how basically I take, I take this view when it comes to the Holy spirit and we can talk about this on a different podcast when we look at the Holy spirit. But for me, if, if you, you are claiming to have an experience of the Holy spirit, but your life does not change, then you didn't, then it was all a load of rubbish because throughout like when the bible talks about the holy spirit giving you a new heart or change like it all the language around it changes like the the language around the holy spirit entering people being around people anointing people all the words you want to use in the bible is that person was profoundly changed because the living god's spirit dwelled in them as we talked about the tabernacle idea that the fire of god was inside them so um, and this is one of the reasons for a lot of my doubts is the fact that I have never experienced this despite the fact of being around and in and throughout and involved in church settings where that is what truly changes someone. And so for me, corporate worship or anything like this um, would be something which truly changes the participant in a way, not just that they feel a bit nicer or they get a bit of, this isn't denigrating anything, or you just get a bit of clarity on something or um, you stop a particularly obvious habit like uh, we spoke about, spoke about this in the very first episodes about people give up the very things that are particularly middle class so like smoking and whatnot um it'd be if something actually really changed and it's it's this passage in isaiah i said that i was flicking through my bible it's a really famous one but it's, it's isaiah 58 well it's all of isaiah 58 really but um it's when 
like the the author's talking about fasting, but it's God speaking to the Israelites. Um, and so from verse six onwards is it is not is not this is God speaking. Is this not the fast I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring out speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from the midst and the pointing of the finger and the speaker wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday and the lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong you shall be like a well-watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up your foundations of many generations and you shall be called repairer of the breach and restore the streets to dwell in etc um and i've always I've always read that, and I, I know all the context is speaking to Israel, and there's all debates about what what of Israel promises apply to the church, and I know there's all fancy words for that, but for me, that really hits home of what worship is, and like we've discussed that we've already said multiple times, it isn't just singing, but it is often reduced to just singing in our mindsets and our considerations and church settings, when God continually says that. It, it, like that if if this stuff doesn't lead to your life being altered then it is hypocrisy um you are being a hypocrite and if you only have to read the gospel of matthew and the main target of jesus's anger um disagreement is with hypocrisy it's such a big deal to be a hypocrite is one of the worst things you can be because you are speaking one thing and doing another and so for me the thing you say which will push me one way or the other currently the church has pushed me really away because, and I am hypocrite in this, but I, I don't see Sunday singing, praying, transfer in any significant way. It does change people a bit. I don't see that having significant impact on people's lives. So for me, that just seems very false and empty. But if if they a worship time, whatever that is, with people in whatever setting, small or large or whatever. If that truly changed people, then that would be a profound moment which would give it truth and life in a way that it doesn't currently. So, for example, um, like Passion Conference in America is like held in a massive NFL stadium size things. It's often like sort of 60, 70,000 young Christians all together singing songs with all the big bands and all the big preachers. But if they were truly changed, if there was like 60 to 70,000 people truly changed, truly changed in their hearts, that would change the country. Well, obviously it never does. And so that would be what I would say with it. And that's a very long answer, Sam, but <laughs> that's that way, that's my, my monologue of an answer. I have two really quick things. Um, the first one is, I don't think I said it, so I think it's an but I think it's important to say is that there'll always be something at the center of someone's life that they worship. Um, so it could be family, it could be your work, it could be finances, it, it could be God. Um, but I'm not sure there is any way for that thing to not actually in and of itself be about you. Um, for instance, finances, you know, how you're going to be financially, whether it's giving to other people or even for you to survive, like it's still about, it still needs to link back to you because you're an individual. Um, 
even with God, like you might have God at the center of your life, but God's at the center of your life because of what he's done for you and your reflections upon God. It's impossible to distinguish those two. Um, I find that really interesting. Like no one ever preached about that. I just find that interesting about worship. Like you always worship something, but I don't think that's something is able to be disassociated from you. So I think actually at the end of the day, it's always you as on that throne, even if you say it's God. Um, and my second thing is like, through all this talking and i think this kind of links to every podcast we've done um like we might not have seen god's best so um this 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 idea that if god is real and he's engaging with people like why do we think that we have either deserved or should have seen him fulfilling what we think he should have fulfilled like we, we just have a a list of desires um say about worship that's what we're talking about um and we have a, a list of kind of criteria that we think he should fit into so we've got these desires these desires and these criterias and um we haven't seen those kind of getting met essentially um and therefore we think okay well therefore you know god could not be real and we start this kind of like deconstruction viewpoint and my, and my kind of thought is you know uh, from what i've seen of god in the bible if god is a god of um judgment of saving of in and out um, of wrath which we believe he is to some extent um, then maybe we just haven't had those real tangible experiences within worship because they're safe for his elect like they're actually safe for those that he wants to be included within him in fulfillment at the very end of time like could that be a case i just thought that's a really interesting idea to probably close on is that idea that we are not necessarily seeing this or having our criteria and our desires met because we are not part of the elect fantastic so as we as we wrap up now at the end of this episode it's been i mean the intention at the beginning was to speak about a bit wider than just the singing aspect of worship but that obviously has been our main focus but it has raised um interesting questions around um as sam said there the like how can you tell that when you are singing in a church setting that that is actually god you're communing with um like, is it your emotions or is it God? And these are really important questions to consider. Like, um, this isn't isn't an attack necessarily on faith, but it is one to think about when you are in that situation. Like, how much of your worship experience, um, which is sometimes coined as, is um, the feeling of the Holy Spirit? How much is just the dynamics of the building, the lights, the music, the sound, the group activity? Um, and not that group singing is inherently bad obviously it isn't it's actually quite beneficial to humans but yeah where is the boundary line between that being god and that being just any singing which would be no different in say a sporting event or a concert and the flip side of that is um how does worship extend to more than sunday um does to sit like singing and community has a place and it has a value but if that value doesn't reach out into more of your life um then does it was it ever truly worship or was it just an event so and then the final thing is the creativity like the the coronavirus pandemic and change to the way churches meet and engage how is that going to change church moving forwards our church is going to go back to the way they were is faith going to remain the same how are what is going to happen to christianity and other faiths uh, now that you haven't been able to meet to communities and um, people will start evaluating how much of their faith is based on jesus and how much is based on just a group of people so it, it's been as always an interesting discussion and we hope it's been interesting to listen to as well and has raised questions for you to consider and as with all these things when we discuss the idea is for honesty and the ability to really consider and think about your belief structure be that being um belief in god or religion or 
um, agnostic or atheist leanings. The idea is that you really know why you stand and where you stand on things. So, as always, it's been good having you, and we will see you next time. Bye.